Here's a thought. What if you woke up to find you'd won $20,000 every month for 20 years? Imagine the possibilities. Set for life from New South Wales Lotteries. Grab an entry in-store or online today. Welcome to the Brisbane Football Review, powered by Outside90.com. Two games in four days for the Roar have yielded two wins, one slightly more dramatic than the other. Welcome to the Danny Teato episode 18 of the Brisbane Football Review. It's James Scott and Adam here with you today. We only just missed a place on the subs bench last night as the team went with a youth movement. Adam, you're young at heart. How are you going? Yeah, good. I said it's uh, Tuesday night out in the town and uh, a big win. One of the few people out on the town. One of the other ones out on the town was Scott. How are you going? I can't believe I just missed out on the bench. I'm gutted. I know. Well, it was a fairly youthful movement, but we're going to get onto that a little bit later. What do you say we get right into it? We've got a jam-packed show, segment one with the A-League Review. All right, let's go. All right. On a warm Saturday evening at Suncorp Stadium, the Raw came into the match uh, with confidence after a win in Wellington, and we're out of the blocks early against a Wanderers side who are also winners in round 16. The hosts opened the scoring through Brandon Borello, who scored from close range after capitalising on a Jack Clisby error in defence. However, the visitors would equalise when Jumpai found room in the penalty area and expertly fired past Michael Theo on 32 minutes. Though with the prospect of a third straight 1-1 result looming, the Raw would, uh, would find the win through Manuel Arana flicking on to Brett Holman, who scored range, having uh, Vedran Yanyedovic spilling it through his hand. So, look, we know it's the Raw. Why would people leave early, Adam? I don't know. <laughs> I thought we've learned by now that... Uh Look, anything, anything seems to happen, after, and especially after the uh, 90 minutes. So, look, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I'm not sure they actually leave. I think they all congregate behind the, the goals at the, the two ends and just watch the game from there and then leave right on full-time. But well, that would be a vast improvement. You, you have to expect the unexpected with the Raw. It's not even unexpected anymore. You know it's coming at some point. I have actually noticed there does seem to be fewer people getting up and leaving between 80 and 85 minutes. But I actually, I, I normally get up right as stoppage time starts, you know, to go and do the fan cams post-match, which, by the way, Lachlan, our video guy, fantastic work on that. Absolutely, yeah. Um, yeah, I, so I got up, uh, I think after the Raw gave up a goal kick or something, so I was starting to walk around and was standing behind the den. I just heard the crowd slowly going up as, I think, uh, Rana flicked it to Holman and just looked up and saw the shot and thought, ah, oh, so, oh, wait, he spilled it. It's a goal! <laughs> And that, of course, prompted a handful of happy Sydney FC fans on Twitter as well. <laughs> well done to the snaking goals, I believe, that was the meth, the theme I mean, of those the tweets. Paul was saying that I think he's been sent to destroy the Wanderers once and for all. <laughs> well, you know, never, never know with football, I suppose. <laughs> but overall, so it was the Raw's second straight A-League win. Scott, were you happy with the performance? I was, actually. I thought they followed on from their performance away at Wellington the week before. It was calm. I thought they... Pl- it's a difficult spell to roar in at the moment. I thought they controlled this game well, and they had to really go for it as well in the last 20 minutes. I mean, ideally, they would have been able to just shut the game down a bit and just play the game out, but they had to go full out for the last 20 minutes, and I thought they played really well. The amount of chances they created in the last 20 minutes with all the corners, the possession, the territory, it was all, all the roar, basically, apart from one chance of Brendan Sandalab, and I, I thought it was a well-deserved win. Yeah, I, I thought, especially at the end, it showed a real sign of maturity from the team that they were able to say, all right, we need to win this game. Let's step up and actually do something yeah, about no, it. I, I absolutely agree with you. And that's, that's sort of what come out, that, that sort of attitude is that, you know what, why sell for 1-1? One, one? You know, you're at home, you need to go for the win. And you know, look, at the end of the day, 9 out of 10 times probably, that, that Holman shop saved, you know, and we're, and we're talking you know, about one point. But look, credit to him for actually going for it. You know, and like I said, and this is where the, the un- great unknown... You know, Yanyanovich, who was having actually having a great night up until that point, and actually having a great stretch of games, he you know, makes one mistake. We came up with three points, we sit in third, and we're all of a sudden, we're looking a lot better as far as our final prospects go. And Brett Holman was sensational when he came on as well from inju- after he returned from injury. I thought he was really mm. good in the last 10 minutes. Mm. Well, it was what, basically two months off? I think he last played in November against Sydney the, FC. Yeah, Sydney FC game. So two and a half months off, not a bad way to mark your return. I actually went back and watched the Fox Sports uh, coverage after the game, and Mark Bosnich was saying Yanyedovic really should have just parried that one over because he hit it with so much force. 
So was he try- I don't even know if he was trying to save it or do that or what. I, I think he was trying to catch it. Just the way his hands were positioned, it I just realised this is a vi- audio medium. So there's no <laughs> point in me doing the gestures. Yeah, don't do the gestures. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I thought the way he tried to put his hands up, he tried to catch it and just let it slip through his fingers. It was a humid night in Brisbane, so maybe the ball was a little bit slippery. Possibly. No, look, I got it. It, it was good. I, I liked it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the snake joke. Yeah. <laughs> That's right, and it's very hot in the studio as well, so we're already sweating bullets here. (laughs) But yeah, Brett Holman, so a little bit more on him. Adam, do you think he's possibly going to be that missing piece of the raw puzzle? Because we've noticed they've been struggling in attack the last few weeks, so could he come in and bring something different? Look, I I think he is. I I think he, in that number 10 role, he sort of keeps it all together. And that's where where we've been seeing issues, you know, with the raw, especially the lack of creativity. You know, the fact that we couldn't break down um, 10 men and it was a very predictable build-up, you know, it's obviously either go wide and bomb into McLaren or or something similar or cut back, you know, to, you know, Petrados or someone else falling through. He brings that, that sort of that wild card factor in and I think that's going to serve as well. And look, it's no coincidence that all of a sudden we're winning games and, and, he's, and he's back. So, you know, I, I, think, I think he's a very important piece of this puzzle. Yeah, Holman and also Brandon Barella, who's just found form as well the last couple of weeks. I think when you put Brandon Barella on the right-hand side with his direct pace and the threat he offers, you add that with Brett Holman and everything else, the Raw absolutely have a chance to do something in this competition if they can keep them all fit and firing. And Adam, you mentioned last week, just mm. that Barella and McLaren combination seems to work together really well. And I, 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 almost, I almost would go one step further and say that that, tri- that right-hand triangle of you know, McLaren up top Barrello and Holman, that's almost going to be a must. That's If we got any chance of picking up anything, that, that those three players alone, I think, need to start every week or at least you know, when we're going for the games that we need them, they, they need to be the starting three there. Well, one of those other players that I think was getting a chance that might have been struggling for game time was Daniel Bowles filling in for the suspended Corey Brown at left back. I thought he got, did a really good job getting forward. He did that a lot more than I expected him to and he actually set up the yeah. first goal. He used his left foot as well because I, I noticed when he was... Um, the Wellington game the week before, he was using his right foot for almost everything. And he put the cross in on the left or for the for the goal, was it? Who just got the first? It was Barello, wasn't it? Yeah, first goal. So yep. it was so long ago, this was... Like, this, no, we've yeah. actually got a whole other game that we've yeah. got to get to as well. Yeah, so, no, it was the cross from Bowles to Barello and it was with his left. I thought he played really well, to your point as well. In an unnatural yeah. position for him as well because it's a difficult position to fill when you're not, it's not your natural position and you haven't been playing. So I thought he did well. Yeah, and we've seen him on the bench, you know, have, have, filling that old James Donerke role of, oh, am I going to get a chance on the field today? And yeah, he came in and did a really good job. Yeah, yeah no, exactly. And, that, and that's, you know, a great conference as well for the squad that, you know, like I said, we, we thought he may have been a little bit suspect in that left-back role, but look, he, he filled it well with Plom on, um, on Saturday night. And I think, he, I think he's, he's become a very important squad player because he's now demonstrated he can play sort of over, like both left, right and centre in the, in the back four. So... Look, I think it's a good feather and cap for him. But the one thing I did notice, that he did get caught out at least once, and that was for the Wanderers' goal, where he was way up the pitch, and you notice Jumpai was able to get down that flank. So he's he still learning a poor position. pass oh. in the midfield as well, though. He did? Well. Oh, no, I think the pass from... I can't it was at North. I think it was North who put the pass through in the midfield. It wasn't That's the true. greatest pass that got picked off. So. That's true, and I suppose every fullback's been yeah. caught out yeah. from time to time. Oh, and I that, think you give, me, you give him a pass on that. Absolutely. But I'm uh, just pointing out, you know, he wasn't yeah. perfect. Yeah, no, no. We know how things can get overstated at the moment. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but um, there were a few contentious decisions, as is the case with a referee in, well, any Never. sport. Yeah. Never. <laughs> there was a penalty shout for handball. What did you make of that? I thought it was a handball. Adam? I think I missed it. Yeah, because yeah. he's moved his arm towards the ball. I know it's like he's moving it back into a natural position, if you like, but he's moved it towards the ball and it's struck his hand. I thought clear handball, really. Yeah, I think it's one of those ones that if it happened to a raw defender, maybe I would have yeah. been a little bit upset if it was given, but... Well, speaking of raw defenders and Daniel Bowles and penalty decisions, there's another one. Yeah. Yeah? That's one I yeah. also thought that you know, probably should have... That, well. that could have been given, so... Was that the one where he hooked Santalab? Yep. Yes. Yeah, had his arm over the shoulder and I thought, yeah, that's probably a hooking penalty yeah. in... Pretty much any sport you want to call it in. So, you know, win some, lose some, it all balances out in the end. One thing that did kind of stand out to me, though, feature match, Saturday night in Brisbane, not a whole lot else going on, and only 13,000 fans turned up. Well, we'll probably get into the crowds for the last night's game later on, but I thought it might have been people passing on the Wanderers game to choose the global game and the Sydney FC game. But That's true. But, but it, didn't, it didn't work out that way, obviously, but because the crowd was, what, 13,000 for the 
the Wanderers game? Yeah. So the numbers, I've actually seen crowd numbers are starting to go down, which is strange because the Raw, okay, they haven't been in perfect form lately, but it's these sorts of games where you think that's got to be a big draw. And the Wanderers fans were coming in numbers as well. They were phenomenal. The only thing I can think of is I know that the... Um the cricket is finished now, but they were they had a big semi-final during the week, and maybe people prioritise going to that than the raw game at the weekend. And I, with Sydney FC on Friday, I was going to say I think to to gay we we sort of like we'll get into about the global um, crowd last night, but um, I think I think the the true test see where the raw is at as far as the crowd. I think will be Friday night. I think even though Friday night is traditionally sort of bit bit of a um, you know, a down, I think you know, given that Sydney are in such great form, I think that might be the game that people are. So waiting on because there's you know the big chance the raw to be the ones actually knock over Sydney as far as their unbeaten streak goes. Everybody wants to knock knock the top team exactly. off their perch. Plus, and plus exactly. the plus the Maroon Maroon Friday, which yeah. I know <laughs> it worked so well last time, didn't it? Yeah, well they got oh, a draw. We'll go so. Yeah. Now we actually asked our fans on social media after the game what were your takeaways from this. So we're just going to read some of the good ones. Just bring it up on my phone right now. So, Tony Fraser was saying, Jamie McLaren is down on confidence, but he worked his bum off last night. The goals will come, but him playing from the start was a good move. Would you agree with that? I thought he showed from when he came on against Wellington the week before that he was in good form mm. as well. And he obviously continued that into the, the West Sydney game as well. Look, I think, I think his two weeks, you know, that were on the bench, if you want to call that, I think that might have done him you know, a world of good. I think it's just to clear the mind, you know, perhaps even so that message that, you know, he's, you know, he's not an automatic star every week if his form doesn't warrant it. So, but since he's come back, you know, great attitude. You know, he, he did really sort of, you know, cover a lot of territory on, on Saturday night. And like I said, it's, um, you know, I think, you know, he, he, he's a must-start almost. But I think that, that breakaway might have just sharpened him up a little bit. And I think we are seeing, like, I'm not questioning his work ethic before, but it feels like he did look a lot yeah. fresher on Saturday yeah. night compared to before when maybe there were a few extra things weighing on his mind. And Rob Scott, talked about yeah. the, um, the, up, the busy schedule the Raw have got. I mean, so freshening up a Jamie McLaren is imperative. I mean, John Aloisi was talking about in his press conference on Saturday night that the front three was going to be fully rotated for last night's game. It wasn't with Borello, but he was saying that the effort the front three put in with sprints and all the rest of it, you have to hmm. rotate them and rest them. And I wonder if that was part of why Jamie McLaren was on the bench for a couple of weeks there, in addition to the poor form, the contract stuff, and all the rest of it. Well, Rob Scarella was saying you get a whole new perspective on Jamie when you watch him live. He does a lot of work off the ball, and I've noticed that, yeah, like from where we were seeing, he was making his runs. I feel like he was actually communicating a lot more as well. Yeah. Actually, speaking of communication, it was really funny in front of us. You could hear Mitch Nichols doing his high-pitched squeal when he was screaming at one of his teammates going, Josh! Josh! (laughs) (laughs) Just really got, like, just trying to call out instructions, and it was just, it made me laugh quite a lot. And Joshua Gobold says, you know, one of the better performances they've had for a while, few silly errors, but do you feel like the Raw might be coming into a bit of an upswing right now? I, th- I think we are. I think, um, as I said, we've had that down patch. It seems to be almost seasonal where, you know, that, that December, Jan, so start January period's lean one, but then all of a sudden we start moving again. And I think, I think obviously, we are, you know, yeah, six points in two games. All of a sudden, you know, we're on the move and we're up the march, you know, and third on the table now. Yeah, it's certainly solidifying place in the top four and potentially you never know into the top two if victory keep their poor form going. You might find yourself in the top two, which is absolutely imperative if you're looking at the A-League finals or something to compete in and potentially win. You need to be in the top two. Well, there's still 10 games to go, I believe, for the A-League season. So, look, realistically, Sydney FC at the top, probably out of reach. But that second spot yeah. is absolutely what the Raw should be aiming for. And, yeah. and you never know what's going to happen in the finals as well. And I suppose, you know, it's forecasting forward a little bit here, but if McLaren actually comes back and continues that work rate and starts converting a couple of his chances, could we be looking at this as a brilliant bit of man management from John Aloisi? I'll answer that question in May. <laughs> I know, it's a bit of forecasting. Yeah, it's just I know, popped I into my head. I think as well the key to it as well may be a case of that we have another scoring threat than outside Jamie McLaren. because It seems to be that what sort of started this little bit of a downward sort of... Um, Form some for him is the fact that he was just get absolutely boxed out, you know, double teamed, whatnot, and because because that's the only play he had. You know, all of a sudden we're starting to have different threats of, uh, on goal, like be it Petrados, be it you know Borello, and all of a sudden you know it may actually open up, open up um sort of play again for McLaren. And I remember going back to I think it was our second episode. We were saying McLaren's one of those strikers that he can function off about three or four different sorts of passes. He's not going to do a whole lot with those long lofted balls. Where he's trying to compete aerially against a centre back, but if you can let him run in behind one of those guys, it's probably something that 
he's going to really be able to capitalise on. So maybe they do have to try and play for his strengths. I think teams have worked that out as well. They've started to really drop off when the Raw have the ball in transition. And make, dr- stop that ball over the top. Yeah. So maybe they have to try and play it out towards the wing, get that yeah. angle ball in behind and just try and time it right with his run. All right, that's going to do it for segment one of the Brisbane Football Review. We'll be back after this to look at last night's Asian Champions League qualifier against Global FC. We'll be back after this. You're listening to the Brisbane Football Review, powered by Outside90.com. Welcome back. It's the Brisbane Football Review, powered by Outside90.com. Welcome back to segment two of the Brisbane Football Review podcast here in the Switch 1197 studios as a part of the Outside 90 Fan Network. We actually have a second Brisbane Raw fixture to dissect with last night's Asian Champions League preliminary stage against Global FC of the Philippines. The Raw confirmed a place in the next round of the playoff with a comprehensive 6-0 win over Global at Brisbane Stadium last night. Brandon Barillo scored four goals in the route, including a 30-minute hat-trick, while Manuel Arana added a double as the host proved just a small level above their Filipino opponents. The Raw are now going to take on Shanghai Shenhua in Shanghai next Wednesday night for a place in the group stage. Guys, were you as excited as I was? It's not about the fact that you've got a chance. Does that count? Well, got to find something to yeah, find yeah. something to enjoy. Oh, look, it's good to see. We, as we as we hoped and predicted that you know that John Alwisi finally relied on some of his youth brigade to go. And look, I think they um they were very good. And Alwisi did promise in the post game on Saturday that there were going to be sweeping changes, and we got sweeping changes. Yeah, well, on the game itself, we'll get to this in a minute, but the game, I thought the Raw controlled oh, yeah, the game. The game re- like, <laughs> yeah, it happened. They controlled the game pretty well, in truth. Like, it was a difficult game in the sense that you've got, to just, you've got to play this game. You've got to take it as seriously as you possibly can. You've got to make sure you go out there and win the game because you don't want it to be dragging on and it felt getting nervous, going yeah. to extra time. So you just, you've got to go out there and win the game, and they did that well. It felt a bit like hour. an opposed training run, though, after about the 20th minute. Yeah. But... I thought they do- I thought they dominated. They did what they were expected to. It was, if you're trying to put a term on it, it was a professional performance. Yeah, I think the key was always going to be the first goal and what time that was going to be scored. The fact that we scored it after 13 minutes, that that pretty much gets to open the floodgates. I think I don't think we we could have thought that unless it was going to be a penalty or a fluke that you know Global were going to score. So I think that first goal goal is always going to be the vital one. From there, it was just a downhill run. Well, they almost had that fluke goal in the first couple of minutes. They had that mm. corner and they had a chance almost cleared off the line almost, wasn't yeah. it? So they had a couple of chances mm. early on, but after the first and particularly the second goal went in, it was yeah. mm. the game was essentially over at that point. Yeah, Adam and I were talking in the car park and we were saying the only way that really that goal could have come about was maybe unfamiliar players playing next to each other and it sort of turns into... You've got the ball. No, you've got the ball. No, yeah. wait. They've got the ball. Now it's a goal. That's the risk of having a half first team, half youth together hybrid that haven't played together. That's what you potentially get. But yeah, so some of the youth players, we've been asking for them to have a go. They got their chance. Which one stood out for you, Adam? Look, on, on reflection, now I actually was very, I was actually very impressed with um, Joe Coletti. I think when he came on in the second half, he obviously you know playing against you know grown men you know he's very small in stature but what he makes up he is a he's very very good you know obviously having that um obviously being you know a youth international it just shows why he's there he's there at those levels and i think he's got a great future ahead and hopefully hopefully that future is actually at the raw yeah it did actually look like he had to you know get up and go to school this morning but (laughs) but yeah he was good he he, i kind of called him a mini matt mckay just for the energy he brought onto the pitch and he came on clearly with a mission to prove himself. Yeah, I thought he was really good when he came on. His passes forward as well. He he found D'Agostino as well. I thought D'Agostino was really good as well with his. Aside from the chances. Well, he... his movement was really good. Just the finishing wasn't there for him. But I even think Dane Ingham was solid at right back. Yeah. I mean, it was his first game for, for the first team. It's also he started playing right back about July August last year in the um N- NPL, like two or three games there, and then the full NYL. And now he's playing against a professional team. Break more or less professional team, they're launching professional league. 
in, in the Champions League at right back. I thought he did well. Coletti did well. D'Agostino did well. I thought Shannon Brady was really good when he came on as well. And that run he yeah. had when he yeah. zigzagged through five or six was absolutely brilliant. Hopefully it's the start of a good week for guys with the surname yeah. of Brady. <laughs> oh, don't start. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I thought they came on. We, we saw did see glimpses of Shannon Brady a year and a half ago under Franz Tyson. And he'd struggled for game time since then, but came on the pitch, did a job. And I thought that's one thing the youth guys brought was a lot of energy. Energy and also the determination to prove something as well. Because if you brought some A-League players at that point, they really would just be playing out the game, just seeing it out. And the youth players had something to prove. And actually, so did Manuel Arana. Yeah. As well, I thought that was by far his best game. And it was good for him to be able to get a couple of goals and play well. And it might see him become a more important part of the first team as the season progresses now. Mm. And look, I think we can all say, in fairness, Global FC not quite to A-League standard. But... You know, that might just be a little something that gives Arana a bit of confidence because he still had to finish the chances. And I actually thought the global goalkeeper, he, you know, did quite a good job. And they were good finishes from Arana as well. Mm. And, like, given the number of shots that he actually wound up having to face, it was... Just looking for the player's name right here. It was Patrick Dado. He, like, he actually came in and, you know, made a few really good saves. And I did kind of feel bad for him after the third goal went in because he was just kind of sitting there going, oh, this is going to be a long well, night. Certainly, it's his mark on Joe Katavian. Yeah, I was so. about to say that, yeah. <laughs> it, was a, it was the one downside of the game, obviously. Yeah. What looked to be a pretty heavy injury for Joey Katavian. Yeah, look, uh, Scott and I were talking about this uh, post-game, sort of, and we, we think that might be his season. Um, not, not more or less the injury itself, but I think you know, given that the youth, youth guys are starting to step up, and obviously, they're, getting, they're probably going to get another opportunity now in the Melbourne City game, if it's not that, that game itself. I think he's going to fall down the pecking order. And by the time he gets back fully recovered, I just don't think... I just can't see him in the spot for him. So we may, unfortunately, have seen the last of him for this season. Have we actually heard any information on what the injury was? Well, I, was list- I listened to the second half commentary on the TV when I got home last night. And they were saying that they think the, the shoulder's not as bad as it looks on the thing. But even if it's just a concussion thing, I mean, James, you know about concussion protocols given oh. you're a big NFL fan, but yeah. even if that's just a concussion, that's at least rules him out through the Sydney game and the Shanghai game. He might be back for the for the uh, Melbourne City game, but once you're on the concussion protocol, you've got to follow it mm. to its completion. You can't just say, I'm fine. You've got to go through each step and they're yeah. well-regulated and they're timed out and stuff. So I, I think that the Melbourne City game might even come too soon for him as well. So... If the Raw don't beat Shanghai next week and it's just the A-League from here on in, they, he may not get another opportunity. But if the Champions League Continues group stage set. kicks on, then he will get a chance later on. But yeah. it just depends for him. It's, it's really unfortunate because that was his big chance last night. Yeah, and it, I actually feel like that injury kind of stuffed up their substitution plans because there were, I'd say, three... Well, there were, what, four guys that are regulars in the first team. There was Arana, Borello, Mackay, and yeah, North, North at the back. And uh, Brandon Borello wasn't going to be replaced given he's suspended for... Friday night's game against Sydney. I don't think he was too, but they kept saying it in the commentary he's suspended, so, okay, so I guess he's suspended. If the commentators say it, it must be true, right? <laughs> but now, Joey Katabian did actually post on Instagram earlier today, the ever-reliable new source of social media. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> but I suppose when it's yep. coming from the horse's mouth, he says, solid win, on to the next round, I'm alive and well. So ah, and that's, a, that's a positive outlook. Yeah, well, because <laughs> when he went down, it actually I actually thought he must have just gotten like a broken nose or yeah. something, and he was just being substituted off for... Uh, I suppose, yeah, safety with the concussion protocols. But well, what, I noticed when he got when he walked back out to start of the second half, he was actually helped to the bench as well. So it must have been a really bad knock he picked up. And he did have his arm in a yeah. sling, and it looked like they had the I don't don't want to don't know what to call it, but it was just like some weird foam tubing thing. So it could have been a shoulder. Yeah, we're not going to speculate. We're not doctors. I didn't even think about medical school. No, so. I, was, I was just going to say, let's just hope that's the last time that Australian gets knocked out by a Filipino on that pitch. <laughs> 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 well done, Adam. Do you want to elaborate on that uh, just a little bit? Because there was a special guest last night. Yes, uh, uh, Jeff Horn, who will take on the legendary Manny Pacquiao, uh, which is actually rumoured to be April 23. Apparently, Lord Mayor uh, Graham Quirk saying it's very close on Triple M this morning. So I expect that. And so that, that's going to be a huge deal in itself at Suncorp. It may clash with potential raw final, but we'll get that, that to an stage. I'm led to believe that Joe Horn is also a big football fan because I was told he was a coach at my junior club, Acacia Ridge, when I was a junior. I never saw him there, but I'm told that. And 
That, that fight's supposed to be on the Sunday. I think the Raw's final. If they get one that first week, will be the Friday night again, so it'll be you fine. You can almost pencil that in right yep. now, given the current ladder. Now, there were a whole bunch of records set last night. Scott, do you want to take us through them? Because if it was you your exhaustive to. research that... <laughs> exhaustive you, you research. You deserve the credit for it. Okay, so Daningham's the 122nd player to play for the Raw. Joe Coletti's the 123rd. Jai and Daningham are the second set of brothers to play for the Raw after the Simpson twins from Season 1. That's the Raw's first win at home in the Champions League, obviously. It's their biggest win in the Champions League. Uh, Brandon Brillo is the top scorer in the Champions League now with six goals in seven. It was previously him and Borussia, and I think Thomas Broich all had two. Uh, it's also... Um, where is it? Yeah, he equaled Bessart Borussia's record for four goals in a game. Did you just lose your players because there was so much to go through? Yes, I did. <laughs> and also, it's also... Um, it also equals Raw's biggest ever win. And I also lost my place because it's... A couple of ones I heard on the TV last night. It, it, it's, um, Brandon Brillo's passed Travis Dobb for the most goals by an Australian Champions League. And it's the biggest ever win for an Australian club in the Champions League, passing the 5-0 win the Wanderers had against the club so, a while ago. So hopefully you understood all that. Yeah, I think, I think that. We might actually post that on our uh, yep. Facebook page. Just Or oh, you already I did. It's up on there. Yep. Okay, so check that so, out. Yeah, if you have a look on text. there if you didn't quite understand. What, there's a lot there. <laughs> One thing that uh, wasn't a record was the crowd numbers. Uh, actually, I think you're fine. The record was, low, yeah. <laughs> well, well, not, not a good one, but yeah. Yeah, so 3,657 at Suncorp Stadium. Yes, it was lowest ever crowd for a Raw game at the ground, but I feel like maybe there were a couple of lower ones elsewhere. Like, I remember... Uh, yeah, game I, I had a look at the Champions League games down the Gold Coast. There were 6,000, 5,000, and 5,000, so... so... Yeah, 6,851 for the first game against, I want to say... That was Beijing. Beijing. Yeah. Yep. 5-1-9-7 for that 3-3 draw against Su- Suwon. Suwon. Yep. That was a good game. I can't believe that had the smallest numbers. And then 5-9-4-1 for that last game where the... Do you know why it had the smallest numbers? The first game was the first game. So people went to that and everyone wanted to go see Urawa. So uh, we'll skip the, skip the Suwon game. Yeah. Well, they I know, missed the best game. Well, I know I wasn't, I wasn't at that game because I was actually... Next morning I was on a flight to Japan for... <laughs> Game, go, so. go figure. <laughs> and then that final one, yeah, was five nine four one, where the Raw, from memory, still actually had a chance to qualify for the knockout stages, yeah. but that was also when I think they were running on fumes by that point it of the was season. The Tony Popovich with mathematically got a chance to make the grand final, chance of progressing. <laughs> still works. But anyway, with the crowds, Mark Kingsman, Raw's managing director, he voiced his disappointment on Twitter, saying, "Tonight's game is going to cost us in excess of a hundred thousand. Hard to justify if people don't support it." So there are a whole bunch of suggestions brought about. Adam, you've got quite strong feelings on this one of the suggestions was let the members in for free what yeah, do you think look I, I just the thing is with this is that I, are we are we really surprised that it was going to be a low crowd like traditionally Asian Champions League games have always been a low crowd you say, you put it on Tuesday night against a team that you know we didn't even know who we were eight days ago eight days ago and quite frankly global aren't going to pack out stadiums you know I you know without being too too condescending I wouldn't even think that people would know where that where their base is, where they come from. They're actually not, and they're actually not from Manila. From um, they're actually from Cebu. So, all that aside, you know, it is a like I said, we're not surprised by that. But the thing, the problem that we have here is that you know, to, we everyone wants the games at Suncorp Stadium. They, they've rejected, they've rejected um, Rabina as a, as a venue. Apparently, QSAC and um, Ballymore are not are not AFC standards. So, what can you do? Like I said, and if if the Raw try and and even if the Raw try and get rid of it, as like what happened a few years ago, Buriram, they're going to cop it. So, I, I just really don't know what Mark Kingsman and the Raw board are supposed to do with this. You know, it's you know other than take the loss, move on. You know, take the financial loss. You know, that's hmm. and, that, and that really like so I can. There's a lot of points. You know, people make valid points, but. Yeah. yeah, what can you do? And from a business perspective, it's great to say, all right, let's just throw open the gates. I did love those 50-odd global fans behind the other goal from the den that were just going, just cheering every time the ball went over the byline for a goal kick. So, but yeah. It's they always can't... been a tough sell the Champions League, hasn't it? I mean, with the... But to Adam's point, the crowd was... The, um, the, not, the time was a problem. The ticket prices were... Yeah. Regular A-League prices, when it was down on the Gold Coast, they were subsidised by the Gold Coast City Council. So the... Was hmm. Ticket prices were much cheaper. So the whole round thing, it was a tough sell for yeah. the Raw. It's always been that way in the Champions League, unfortunately. I do wonder what it'll be like if the Raw do make the group stage, how it will, how it will work out. Well, one out. thing that we noticed when we, went, we got to the ground yesterday is that unlike in a group stage game, a lot of the Raw's sponsorship boarding was still up where if this were a group stage game, that'll all be gone and it'll all be the AFC sponsorship and whatnot. Even, even stuff like the, um, the LED sign at the front of Suncorp Sun would actually be switched off. 
yeah. for that. Yeah. So, so and that, and that and that's all money. That's that, that all cost money to to take down to and to, and to put back up. So look, if we get in a group stage, it actually could work. But as we were talking um, before we came on air, um, if if you look at the Champions League as purely as a business proposition, you, you're gonna like I said, it'd give most accountants heart attacks. But there's also a prestige side thing, and that's the one thing we can't ignore: is that you know what, having the raw play in an Asian competition, it opens up exposure, especially for our owners who are obviously Indonesian. That that exposure in Asia is you know is worth something. So it's well, I think you almost got to do what you do. Scott, one yeah, more. You're never gonna really make money on Champions League, given the fact you've got to you've got to pay for the travelling team to come out here and, that's the other point, and put yeah. them up. But you've also saw that I walked around the stadium last night, and a lot of the food vendors were shut. A lot of the toilets were shut. It was only the bare minimum stuff that was open to try and keep people in the one area. So, mm. And what, my final point on that would just be, this was a game that we weren't actually expecting to be watching until yeah. December last December year. One. It was just one weird little quirk with the AFC standings, which meant the Raw entered a stage earlier. So, yeah. you know, everyone probably was expecting maybe you, know, you get one of the Chinese clubs or something out here. Well, so It was projected as of November 29 that we'd probably be we would actually be having uh, Shanghai Shenhua here next week, and that's which happened. All the issues with oh, what, where are we going to play because of the um, rugby global tens. So for that, it was that you know, going out to Shanghai. I guess that alleviates one problem, but for, for as far as you know, the books go for the raw guys. This is going to leave a heavy, heavy crater. All right, so that's going to do it for segment two. We're going to come back and look at some of the news outside of Brisbane. This is Brisbane Football Review. You're listening to the Brisbane Football Review, powered by Outside90.com. Welcome back. It's the Brisbane Football Review, powered by Outside90.com. Welcome to segment three of the Brisbane Football Review here in Switch 1197 Studios for the Outside 90 Fan Network. So because of the Asian Champions League, we've pushed back our weekly recap of the happenings around the A-League and Australian football. So we're going to go right into that now with the recap of the weekend of the A-League action. Melbourne Victory played Sydney FC in their traditional Australia Day Big Blue Fest. Sydney FC just kept going 2-1. Premier's plate sorted, that's it. Premier. It'll be there some point in the next month. It's a case of when, not if now. Yeah, it's yeah. Um, generally, when it's more points against most m- many games played, that's normally an indicator. And we're sitting right. at 11 real... points with 10 yeah. games. Question without notice, do either of you think they're actually going to go undefeated or are they going to lose no, a game? They're going to lose a game. And I think it's probably going to be when Graham Arnold says, all right, we've got the Premier's plate wrapped up. Now we can actually afford to maybe not take it easy, but rest someone that might be on the verge well, of this, suspension. Well, that might be the, the actually the, might be the most interesting talking point. You know, once once they do actually, you know, technically actually officially wrap it up, will the will the lure of being the first undefeated team in the A League overtake the desire to be champions? That that could be the question. You know, that in the last month of the season, that could be more interesting. I won't talk about almost yeah. undefeated seasons. That still hurts from about ten years ago. Scott. I will though because <laughs> I saw last year as a Cleveland Cavaliers fan, the Golden State Warriors went for the NBA record for wins in a regular season and they got it and they lost the NBA finals because of it. So if Sydney FC do prioritise the, um, un- the invincible season, then they may very well fall short in the finals, but that's all to be written down the road. Meanwhile, I'm still crying over Super Bowl 42. I can't believe he caught her on his helmet. Anyway, Newcastle Jets, two, and Melbourne City. that's a City preview one. of what might happen next week if the result doesn't go James's way, by the way, people. Yeah, well, let's keep moving. <laughs> <laughs> Newcastle Jets, two, Melbourne City, one. Andrew Naboo Brace, is he a Johnny Warren medal contender? Look, we we all like to think, you know, geez, it's a, it's a fluke run, but he he keeps on producing. So you got to say yes. He's he's leading the Tobin vote, which is the Fox the Fox Sports um, sort of vote player of the year awards. So you got to think he's he's up in the ranks. So look, he's it's around seventeen. He's still he's still on tear. Should be, but probably won't be because Sydney FC are unbeaten, and someone from Sydney will win the award. Probably Milos Ninkovic will probably be the winner. My man crush. Yeah, he'll probably win it. So. All right. But the boot's been really good for Newcastle. He has. That change of scenery has gone so well for him. It's really impressive. Now, Perth, you know, had to struggle a little bit with their rare away trip from home. 
went down to Central Coast 2 0. Are they? Are the Mariners finally putting it all together under Paul Ocon? I think the Mariners are just like, one of these teams who are providing nuisance save at the moment. They're they're solid. They're at home. They're hard to beat. On the road, they can be hot and cold. But at home, they're hard to beat. And Perth they have got a shocking record in Central Coast. Something like nine, 19 games without a win there or something ridiculous like this. And in this game, the first half was relatively even. But two really poor mistakes from Perth at the back and just allowed Mariners to, to be in early in the second half and the game was over. So, And I can't believe that... I think the Mariners have more points against Perth than they do the rest of the league. 7-6, <laughs> yes. That's yeah. Great. yeah. Uh, one small incident that we do have to touch on was Liam Reddy and... Who was he? It was Bahaja, I think. He no? clipped Bahaja. Clipped Bahaja, oh, I know. But who... Uh, was it Nick Montgomery was Mon- getting yeah. into it on yeah. field? Yeah. yeah, that was funny. There's um, obviously history from back when Reddy was... That's two guys who are not backwards so. and going forward. So mm. it? Yeah, it was good, good fun to see a little bit of hostility between the A-League players. And then finally, Adelaide United 2-2 against Wellington Phoenix... Look, we're not going to ask the question yeah. again. Is this the turning point for Adelaide? Because I think we can safely say... No. That's right. It's uh, good for Wellington, though. Seven points in the last 12, though, for Wellington. Are they still a final shot? I think they are. And I think that they're a sort of side who, if they can keep this sort of run up, they may very well start putting pressure on Melbourne City if they don't turn their form around for a spot in the top four. Because they're in some good form at the moment since they've replaced their coaches. I think they're... They're becoming a bit of a dark horse in this competition. And that battle for fifth and sixth, I think, is probably going to be the best part mm. of the run yeah. home now. So we'll see what happens. Moving on to the W League. So we're just going to touch on this briefly because this is still a Brisbane podcast and the Raw ladies were on a bye and out of they're finals on, contention. On now. So it was Canberra United. They won the Premier's plate. Yep. Did. And then Melbourne City managed to grab that last final spot to give themselves a chance to defend their title. So, and based on the results at the weekend, the Raw have dropped to seventh on the table. Oh, that's that's unfortunate. Yeah, but you know, luck of the draw sometimes. Yep. Now, uh, semi-final. So, Canberra United and Melbourne City. That's the one v four. Scott, where's that? That's in Canberra on Sunday afternoon. Part of a double header with the Central Coast Mariners playing Adelaide United, I believe, down in um, Canberra. So. Awesome. And then 2v3, Perth Glory against Sydney FC. Perth can't complain about having to travel travel for this one. Yeah, um, yeah, they'll be on Saturday. So, look, um, I actually think Perth, I think Sydney, I think uh, they're, they're showing signs that you know, their runs come to an end. So, But then again, it's the W League, so uh, really Sydney, Sydney could win 4-0, so who knows? I actually think these semifinals, and they're all being broadcast live as well, so no rants from you this week, Adam. No, no, I, no, this is how it should be. Yeah. No, I do think the, the Sunday game will be really interesting because Melbourne City, is, obviously, they've got that prestigious, the defending champions. I mean, they're up against Canberra, who've been by far the best team. It'll be, that'll be really interesting. Mm. All right, so the grand final in the National Youth League. Scott, you can tell us a little bit okay, about that. so this was another really interesting game on Central Coast on Saturday. I think it was a one thirty kickoff, which was ridiculous, but it was Sydney FC 2, Melbourne City 3. And it was one of these games where... It was the players were um, really fatiguing towards the end because of the heat, and unfortunately, it was Liam McGing with a handball in the 90th, 98th minute. I know, no, sorry, it was the 99th minute. It was eight minutes of injury mm. time allotted because it was an injury. And in the ninth minute, there was a throw in, and he's thrown or a corner, and he's just deflected off his hand, and it's a penalty, oh. and it's gone in. So he, was, he would have been absolutely shattered by that. But Melbourne City have won the youth league for, I think it's the second time in three years for them. So you should say congratulations to them. And I, suppose but I will of, say, in yeah. defence of the young rule, they beat them two times out of three. So And could have very easily gotten that other one. That's that, what I'm counting. I'm counting that as a, oh, as a win. Oh, you are? Okay. Yeah. All right, so we're going to move on to the news. And one of the things that came out, Adam, there was a story that caught your attention. Yeah, the um, that um, Sun reporters, um, Matt Winley and David Davidovich, uh, they, they've actually seemed to have stumbled across what potentially could be the criteria for the A-League's expansion. All right, this is, so. so I'm just going to read through that right now. So 2018-19 season, two extra teams, and the introduction of an 8-10 team national second division. That, if that's that true... That would be fantastic if it's true. with the number of bids that are coming in, I can already think of about four off the top of my head that would be automatic inclusions yeah. right into that second division, yeah. starting with probably that Sunshine Coast one we were talking about a couple well, of weeks ago. Look at the Strikers bid, the Western Brisbane bid, all of them, the Tasmania one, they'd all be... Mm-hmm. They'd all be just thrown into that second just quickly, division. Just quickly on that, I wonder if that's a compensation or the, I guess, consolation prize for those because I think, I'm sure, not sure if we brought it up on, in this podcast, but um, whether or not, like I said, the whole point of, you know, you've got, you know, some decent bids there, it'd be, it'd be almost silly to rule out and probably discourage, you know, if we're trying to go down to two bids, 
you know, for the A League in eighteen nineteen. Hopefully, then this is a conversation to say, oh, well, you know what, you just missed out with this criteria, but you're still going to be involved as far as the national setup in a second division. And off the top of my head, that actually sounds like something kind of similar to what they do in the MLS in the USA, mm-hmm. where they'll t- let a team in in their national second division, let them sort of play up and. I suppose develop a little bit of a club identity, a little bit of a fan base, and then they come into the MLS. I agree, but it's time the FFA actually came out and confirmed yeah. this as well. Mm. What we the have, criteria we have to say this is speculation. They, they did no, have to do the new logo yeah. thing, though. That was no, very important. <laughs> this sum that Matt Whitland and David have put out is basically a blue map, blueprint of how it could happen, but we need to see what the criteria is for these teams to be decided upon. Is it market size? Is it TV ratings for Fox? Is it attendances? Mm. Is it What is it? I mean, we need to see this and soon from the FFA because until we see that, we really don't know who are the front runners for expansion because we don't know what the criteria is. So, yeah, the next step would then be just one season later, so 2019 2020. And I still believe under the current broadcast or the incoming broadcast yeah. deal, two extra A League teams from the second division. So that gets pumped up to 14. And then two to four extra teams in Division 2 to bring it from eight to 12 teams. So, as a yeah. ballpark figure. So, that could give a few areas a chance to sort of develop and say, all right, we're coming in here. Let's get our game plan ready to go. 2020 and 2021 and beyond, that's a lot of 20s. <laughs> so the A-League is going to add one to two extra teams until it gets to 16. Division 2, so I don't think they can call it the B-League because that might uh, draw some issues with Sam Mack and Jules Schiller. Uh, one to two extra teams until it reaches 14 to 16. And finally, 20 to 25, 30 to 32 professional clubs in two divisions. I'd, it'd have to be 32 just for symmetry's mm. sake with 16. Mm. Yeah. And promotion relegation begins within A-League and Division 2. And that means we can finally stop complaining about it. Does that mean we have to wait until 2025? What was that, into the mic? Wait until 2025 for the complaining to stop about this? But I suppose if they're... Well, technically, I suppose if they're actually going to bring it in, then if they say, all right, this is the date we're bringing it in, at least we've got something to say. You're getting it? That's enough. (laughs) Oh, there'll still be complaints. Why isn't it sooner? Why isn't it in tomorrow? Mm. Oh, they'll be complaining when when it's in. Don't worry about that, so... Yeah, most likely. All right, so one of the other big stories to come out of the weekend was the FFA heat policy. You touched on it with the Youth League Grand Final where there was a whole lot of player, I suppose, cooking going on out on the field where the heat wave came across and a lot of the players were struggling. I think they were talking about the Phoenix players suffering from major heat stroke in Adelaide and and everyone in the stands was saying this is insane. So I'll just go through what the wet bulb globe test is and this is from Val Migliaccio down in South Australia he did the research into this after the reprint of stories in the aftermath it's a measure of the heat stress in direct sunlight taking into account temperature humidity wind speed sun angle and cloud cover it has to be below 28 degrees I believe if it's over that it means you have to delay the game it was according to FFA it was below 26 so it wasn't it wasn't at 28 it was under that 25.6 yep, so basically according to that it's within the rules of the permittable things. But I'll say this, if you have to have drinks breaks every 15 minutes, you yeah. might be better off delaying the game for an hour. And when you put, say, drinks breaks per half, that's mm. probably a sign you might want to give up a little bit. Well, a little bit, a little bit from the FFA statement, we probably won't go through all of it, we've got it here on our run sheet. But the one statement that is actually most sort of interesting is the, is the quote that says, FFA has since informed by medical staff at the match that no players suffered heat stroke during the match. Which is contrary to what um, Wellington Phoenix yeah. have been reporting. So, who's telling the truth? I'll trust so, Wellington Phoenix. Yeah, right? Well, yeah. <laughs> they yeah. would know their players better than the FFA would, so. Mm. Mm. And, look, just, you know, a little bit of behind-the-scenes stuff. I work as a junior football coach, and I, I, you have these heat, like, really hot days here in Brisbane where you just have to... Where your first priority is just managing the kids' yeah. safety, and you're, not, you're still trying to give them value, and... Like, there are times where I go, all right, we've got to actually move this session into the shade or something. But you can't really do that. You can't condense the field so it's just playing in the shade of Cooper Stadium. You mentioned giving people value. What sort of what sort of value are you giving the people of South Australia when they're playing a game in that sort of heat? They've got to sit there and watch this game in mm. this heat. They've, it's not, it wasn't the greatest game. It wasn't the worst game. It wasn't the greatest game. And also, let's not, we haven't mentioned it, the W League game on before it oh. as well. They were playing at, what, 1 p.m. local that- time in South Australia when... It's in the real heat of the day, so that's cruel and what unusual care was punishment given to them. So yeah, yeah. And, and, and look, it was, it was noticeable, if if not you know in intense, but just the look of stands you know empty because people were just getting out of the sun. And 
Look, I think we've got to give credit. Actually, I, I watched obviously watched the whole game, and you actually got to give credit to the players for so in the time they did play and given the heat and all that, they actually put on a very entertaining game. So it makes you wonder: had this game been played in at seven o'clock at night, you now local time, where the, the heat's off, what what actually what a good game it could have been between two sides that wanted to attack. So I missed opportunity again, and I, I just question whether you know the policy. Whether I know we're talking about wet bulb, you no, know, what, what's it called wet bulb. Wet bulb Terms. index or something. That's something here. That whether there's actually need to be a common sense approach. Now that's the thing is that you can have technology and all that, but surely at some point you've got to say it's just too hot. When thirty nine degrees yeah. Celsius. Yeah. Look, the ten uh, intoxicated people in a bar test. Yeah, exactly. Now I think it's a lot of things, but Well but yes. Yeah, and the thing for me is I it's just not safe. No. Like, you can't just say, All right guys, we've got to get this broadcast window in. And my yeah. question is well, I think on Sunday when we were talking about it was how old is that, is that wet globe index? Because surely there's got to be something that's been, you know, done by science in the last 10 years or so that says uh, maybe it's actually not ideal for these guys to be sprinting around a field in a fair bit of sunlight still. You, you think and, that... And know, the W League too. That, that, you know, with the sports science, the way it's advanced, obviously, you know, surely this can't... It can't work. It just doesn't compute on the common sense side of things, alone scientifically. But the, the point I, I want to make about this as well is that is this a sign that Fox Sports, as the broadcaster, they pay? Yes, they pay a lot of money first, and they will, and they will in the future. Do they have too much power about the about the sort of stake of the game? Because I got a feeling I'm going to put my you know, my red tin full hat on. <laughs> is that I wonder if the reason one of the reasons why they, they were they didn't want to move the game is because they've got absolutely blown out of the ratings because of the Nadal Federal final at the tennis. And I just I just wonder. Yeah. I, I hope to God it's not, but. You've got to think that... That no. is exactly what I had my hand mm. up to just talk about, so... Yeah, yeah, I yeah. think they were reticent to move yeah. the Sunday shootout program from that time slot as well. And I think... But we also, last year, Perth and Sydney FC over in the West as well. That was another game kicking off at 3pm. melting. 3pm West Australian time or something to sit, fit in with the East Coast schedule, so... All right. is, there's one of these every year, and I think it's time we definitely looked closely at eradicating it. Mm. All right, so we're going to... Uh, Skip over the transfer roundup now, and we're going to call time on segment three. This has been the Brisbane Football Review. We'll be back right after this. Welcome back. It's the Brisbane Football Review, powered by Outside90.com. Welcome back to the final segment of the Brisbane Football Review podcast from the Switch 1197 studios for the Outside 90 Fan Network. Before we get into the preview of Sydney FC, Scott, can you outline how people can get in touch with us? Okay, so there's a number of ways you've got our podcast. There's Audio Boom and iTunes, which you're probably listening to now. Facebook.com slash Brisbane Football Review. That's one of our main social media outlets. The other one is Twitter.com slash Raw Review. You can listen to us on Switch 1197 as well, and also our fan cams as well, which, again, you mentioned earlier, Lachlan put together a fantastic compilation video of those earlier. If you haven't seen it, go check it out. But we, you'll be recording fan cams on Friday night as well. That's right. I'll be the guy in the maroon jersey yes. this time with the and microphone. And also, one quick correction as well. I'm just checking our social media Yeah, feeds. our podcast isn't live, but Twitter is. Yes, I was just checking it. Um, I mentioned earlier that Jai and Dane Ingham were the second set of brothers to represent the Raw. They're actually the third after the Simpson brothers and also Carl and David Dodd. So apologies to the Dodd brothers because I... I'm, I forgot them last night. And, but and his couple of fans as well. Yes. Like, the lo- the loyal yeah. listeners to Dodd Brothers. <laughs> yeah, so they're, they're the third set of brothers. So. so, yeah, if you listen to us about half an hour ago and throwing, <laughs> yeah. throwing your phone across the room or something, we are correct, making the yeah. correction. We're not above that. Never. No. All right, so Sydney FC, 6.50, Friday night. It's going to be a big game. First versus third on the ladder. And I feel like, well, it's the Raw's last chance yeah. to be the team that upset them. So... What are we thinking our chances are right now? I kind of like our chances for some strange reason in this game. I mean, we've hit some really strong form. I know we had the game last night, but if you look at it, the players who are going to play on tomorrow on Friday night, barely any of them played mm. last night. I mean, the, you've got Broich, Orr, McLaren, Christensen, Devere, Theo. Orr, yeah. yeah. There's a oh, bunch you said Orr. I thought you there's meant... a bunch of players who are going to play. You've also got Corey Brown, who only didn't play at the weekend. He only played last night, so it'll be his second game. Mm. So... The, almost the full strength 11 will be fit and fresh to play here. It's only really will Matt Mackay back up and will Jade North back up. Jade North is the one that I'm actually the most curious about because he actually wound up playing a full game last night. And I think that was in part due to the Katabian injury because mm-hmm. we were talking about maybe would uh, Cameron Crestani get on the field yeah. for Jade North. And Yeah, yeah. I, I reckon that, that substitution, the yearly substitution, the injury for Katabian, I think sort of really wrecked that. But 
it's it's an interesting one because yeah, does Jade North play his third game, or would they punt on say Daniel Bowles playing his third game of the week? So it, there's not much there's not much leeway. One of them's going to be playing their third game. So and yeah, and yeah, now they're the box off is Kai Rolls, who's just come back from the under twenty three camp in in Gosford. I think it's back to back this afternoon. He'll be back, yeah. so he may very well be in in the frame. The other thing to consider also is now after that win last night, they've actually got. A very, very tough game coming up next Wednesday, plus the Melbourne City game the following weekend. So there's still a lot of squad management questions. It's not like they can say, all right, well, we'll just play this game, have seven days off, and then go to the next game. They've actually got to think, okay, who's going to play? Who's going to be able to back up in Shanghai? And then again against Melbourne City. And that's a completely different animal. Like, it's one thing backing up down Saturday to Tuesday at home. To, to, but then to get on a, a flight 14 hours, you know, different climate, different weather, that, that is going to be you know, a huge call. And look, it could make or break um, John Alwissi's season. Not, not such, you know, from a results point of view, but I think we're going to learn a lot about his management style in the next seven days because that is a paramount call about what he makes, whether he goes all in in Shanghai, which means he play youth in, in Melbourne, or whether we go mixed, or does he say, oh, well, look, we've gone as far as we can in the Asian Champions League, we're going to play a weaker side there or reward the guys that went did the job last night and focus on the league. So it is, a, like I said, some big calls coming up. Wouldn't you love to be him right now? Yeah, it'd be great, wouldn't it? But it's a tight turnaround, but the, the game the Sydney to Shanghai is not is completely manageable because they leave Sunday morning, I believe. That's, they've got two full days in Shanghai before the game. It's, that should be fine. You should be able to, if you play your full-strength team on Friday against Sydney, you should be able to get them ready for Wednesday. It's the Saturday turnaround, which is the big... Problem. I think he'll go full strength against Shanghai Shenhua. He'd almost have to. We'll probably to. get to that next week more, but I think he'll go full strength there. And the Melbourne City game, he's already flagged it, saying that That's going he's to be not happy about game. the fact it's going to be only a 70-hour break. He wants, wanted it moved to Sunday. And I think he'll just say, well, too, too bad, too Fox ba- Sports, your May your Saturday night primetime game. I'm going to field our youth team, and if you don't like it, you should have moved the game. But, I think that's where it's going to be. But to be perfectly honest, I, look, if it's either 94 hours or 70, I don't, I don't think it's going to yeah. make a difference. Like, I, I think it's understated you know, what the effects of travel you know, you know, transcontinental is going to be. And I, look, I, 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 sort of, I respectfully disagree with you about, the, about it being okay because anyone that, you know, they, they're not flying business class. They're going to be flying economy 14 hours up to, up to Shanghai. It's a completely different climate up there. So... Look, I think I think either way, this is, it's not as simple as I'll oh, just jump on a plane and they'll be play at optimum level in, in on Wednesday. It'd be a lot right, easier so, to go from hot to cold than cold to hot. Yeah, mm. look, that, that I do agree, but yeah, I, I think it's it's a bit of some very big calls. I think yeah. Mm. So that first big call is of course against Sydney FC. The last two meetings between the two teams, round seven, one one, uh, Christensen the scorer, and then they went down round thirteen, two nil in a game where they were just honestly outmanaged, I would say. Yeah. That one, I feel like, was a Graham Arnold victory above all else because he put out the perfect team for that night. Yeah. So what lessons can we take out of this game aside from the fact that the Raw are going to probably have to get everything right? I think that's a big... You're going to have to defend well. You're going to have to look after the ball, particularly in midfield, because their midfield with Brilliante and O'Neill, who I assume are going to both be playing, are... Arguably the best midfielders at picking your pocket and getting in the ball forward quickly, and that's where they get teams. It's in transition, they win the ball, and then it's Ninkovic and Brosk and Babo and Holosko. That is, the defense is open, and there's, there's plenty of space for them to run into, and that's where they've scored a lot of goals this year. So you've got to be careful with your ball into midfield, and then when you get pushing from the midfield into the front third, that's where you've got to be really careful. This time, I'll respectfully agree with Scotty. And respectfully? Think, what sort of show do you think this is? What is this? Come on. <laughs> no, no, no. Fire up. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. Just don't say anything naughty. We are still on radio. Yeah, that's, that's what I mean. No, if, I, if I get disrespectful, I'll start swearing. So. No, <laughs> no, but look, I, I, look, I agree. The, I think at the end of the day, the battle, this game is one loss in the midfield. Yeah. Whoever controls midfield wins this game. It's plain and simple. And if, it, and if it's a stalemate, well, it's going to be a draw. Yeah, so one player that I'm actually really interested to see how he goes for Sydney FC is... Jordi Buic, I've really got to learn how to pronounce that last name, I suppose. The new yeah. central defender that they've acquired, because he yeah. came out and had a few words for Bessar Barisha after the Big Blue last weekend. So, let's see how he goes there. I'm more interested to see how they've replaced Michael Zulo left-back, because obviously Ryan Grant is back into the squad this week after suspension. He's played left-back. I'm wondering, are they just going to slide him there and trust Aaron Calver at right-back again, or will they put Ryan Grant back in his right-back spot and bring in their backup left-back, Riley Woodcock, who hasn't played... At all, so I'd be interested just how they choose to go. Zulo is missing because I believe he's suspended. That would be why. 
Yeah, it's uh, look, trying to think. Graham Arnold, Arnold. I think I think he'll, he'll move Ryan Grant left back. I think he, Ryan Grant's got a reputation, you know, sort of known as being, you know, the pretty much the ultimate utility in the A League. So, if I think it's going, I don't, I don't think he's going to. He's not sort of manager. Just well, then again, he did without Aaron Calver throwing him in. So, look, if you take the odds, it, uh, Grant to left back. But then again, like Riley Woodcock, every chance of starting. I think it'd be Ryan Grant at left back as well. Just be interesting to see mm. how Graham Arnold manages that in his mind about what's the best option. Mm. And for the Roar, I think for me, the key is going to be getting Jamie McLaren in behind those Sydney FC defenders. Playing those angle balls, I thought Corey Brown played a perfect sort of angled cross from the attacking third last year and... Well, last night, I mean. <laughs> Felt like last year, didn't it? It was it was a long second half, I'm not going to lie. <laughs> but yeah, he played that really good ball in that I kind of think if McLaren's there and anticipating it, he's going to get onto it and score. Yeah. And the other thing is for the Raw is the longer the game goes at nil, it might be more detrimental to them because I know they've a lot of the team will be fresh, but you're bringing players on, maybe Brett Holman's on the bench, maybe, I don't know, Borello, but someone might be on the bench you're bringing on who might have a bit of tired legs in them. So you arguably for the Raw, you want this game over with as soon as possible because the longer it goes at nil all, if you start having to chase the game in the second half, Sydney FC could run over the top of you just because they're fresh and we're not. I think I think as well the, the Raw just got to take the chances. I think they they, they you know they're going to get very few chances. This is a, this is the best defense in the league. They need to take the chances. You know, we just cannot have you know squad opportunities that, that should be goals. Like I said if we're going to win this game, got to take every chance they come. Yeah, and that's one thing the Raw have been really guilty of lately. Is burning those chances. We even saw it on Tuesday night. Nick yeah. D'Agostino had a brilliant one-on-one chance and managed to rifle it into the post. I saw Adam celebrating because his 6-0 tip was still holding there. And I think I saw Scott with your head in the hands from our seats. Yeah. Yeah. Well, because you, you love D'Agostino, don't you? I, I, I think he's a good player. I mean, like, if, you want, if you want me to go into it, I do think he just throws on the night. I mean, finishing-wise, I think he just... It's one of those things a young player throws. As we, as we said last night, just quickly on this, in stands that you know, if this is that AJ Kelly Park on a Saturday afternoon a few weeks ago, yep. he absolutely buries that. So I think a bit of stage fright, but you know, for those who aren't familiar with him, don't give up on him. He is a very talented player. It was just his off night. And as James types, I'll just run through the all-time record for you. So these, teams, these two teams have played 37 times, 15 wins for the Raw, 10 for Sydney FC and 12 draws. And at Suncorp, it's really been almost one-way traffic. 18 games, 11 wins for the Raw, just three for Sydney FC. So... If you're looking for one thing to hold on to here, the Roar have been really good at home against Sydney FC. And that's kind of why I don't think they're going to lose this game, but we're going to come back to that in the predictions in a couple of minutes. Finally, it's Maroon Friday. Scott, I know you're excited. Well, I'm interested just how how it works out because the last time the the crowd was lower than the average, so it didn't have much of an impact. This time it's interesting because Sydney FC, learning that we last played in October, well, they weren't the Sydney FC we know now. They They were talking about being invincible, but they weren't, exactly on the path to doing it. There was only seven games in. Now they've got 10 games to go. They're still unbeaten. They're the, they're the top team in the league on the table. And I think people will want to see see the Raw beat them. I think that's, that will get people in the gates. The thought that the Raw may very well beat them could get people through the gates. So I, think, I expect a decent crowd. I don't know whether it's the Orange, the Maroons Friday, whatever you want to call it. It's the factor behind it or not, but... That's right. Okay, so we're going to go look at the round 18 fixtures. Raw Sydney Friday night, obviously. Triple header Saturday. Wellington against the Western Sydney Wanderers. That's the early kickoff. Then you've got a uh, primetime game, Melbourne Derby, which has actually kind of gone under the radar. That's exactly what I was about to say. This is the, the lowest profile Melbourne Derby I can remember. And the Foxtel Twitter account actually had a little bit no. of a mistake <laughs> where they kind of forgot that it was on and yeah, forgot to promote it. The weekend of sport, and then, yeah, Melbourne Derby didn't make the cut, apparently. And I think the guy, Matt Coleman, he's a Fox Sports producer, actually said, I'm supposed to be... Like, actually doing the producing on this coverage, someone might want to tell me what's going on. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, I think someone who runs that uh, social media account might be getting a little bit of a note saying, come see me from the boss. Possibly. Yeah. All right. So Perth at home, again, go figure. Yep. Late game Saturday night against the Newcastle Jets. Sunday afternoon, Central Coast Mariners, Adelaide United. So we're going to go to our predictions around the A-League. Adam? Uh, look, I'm, I'm going to go the obvious, the Melbourne Derby, and I think it's going to be a draw. Well, I'll, before I get there, there's two double-headers as well. The Perth game against Newcastle, there's a W League game before that, and, of course, we mentioned the, cent- the Central Coast-Canberra double-header. What were the games again? So we've got Wellington, Western yep. Sydney, Melbourne, Melbourne, Perth against Newcastle, Perth at home, of course, and then Central Coast against Adelaide. Well, I won't take the Melbourne derby. I'll just say um, the um, Perth and, Mel- and Newcastle game. Perth are a team who are supposed to be 
early season, one of the top contenders. They're struggling. Newcastle is flying at the moment relatively in terms of getting that fifth or sixth spot. So I'd be interesting to can Newcastle go over there and win? Just one That'll one, be a good test oh, if they can go over there and win. So just one additional point. If you look at the fixture list for the moment, I don't think uh, the, the FA could have planned it better, being that you've got 1v3, 2v4, and uh, five... The other teams yeah, in the race yeah, for fifth and yeah, sixth yeah, are playing each other. Like Wellington, Wellington and... Um, West, West Sydney and Perth and Newcastle, they're five and six, yeah. seven, eight. So, so you may see a yeah. bit of separation on the table this weekend, depending on results. I don't think so, because I think Central Coast are actually going to heap a whole lot of misery on Adelaide, and they're going to actually bring themselves, maybe not within touching distance, but they're going to close the gap on that team in eighth place. We still say, I mean, we talk about transfer, Enrique has left Adelaide as well. Oh, I know you wanted to skip it, but that's one that has actually happened, and no, it's that's relevant prob- that, to our show. That's so. probably fair to mention. All right, so let's get into the raw specific predictions. We're going to start with Scott. I don't know why I think this. I think we're going to win, I'll say, uh, 2-1, because why not? And you may actually want to go with Scott, because he picked 2-1 last week and got it dead on. <laughs> Thanks, Les. And now just forget that. It's not going to happen. Adam now. got last night dead on, 6-0. And, well, I said they're all yeah. going to win both games, so I've got something going for me, I suppose. Uh, no, I, you got them wrong. Just own it. I think it's going to be a one-all draw. And that's my prediction as well, so at least I'm not going to lose any ground on Adam. <laughs> Are we predicting the Shanghai game now or next week? We'll do it next week. All right, cool. So we're going to uh, preview that coming up. Otherwise, I think we're done for the week, guys. Thanks for coming in. Yeah, thanks, James. Thanks, James. That's great. All right. Yeah. Yep. So that's going to be it for this edition of the Brisbane Football Review. Get out and enjoy the football this week. We'll see you Friday for the fan cams and be back next Wednesday to look at Shanghai and Melbourne City. Go Patriots in Monday's Super Bowl. <laughs> you had to get it in there. Oh, yeah. This has been the Brisbane Football Review. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to the Brisbane Football Review, powered by Outside90.com. Here's a thought. What if you woke up to find you'd won $20,000 every month for 20 years? Imagine the possibilities. Set for life from New South Wales Lotteries. Grab an entry in-store or online today.